The Hammer, Chapter 11 The rhythmic click of claws on rock approached and a spark of light expanded to a dome of brilliant white flame. As Corvin's eyes adjusted to the harsh light, he saw it was coming from the end of a long stick the lizard carried. The lizard stopped, cocked his head to one side, and pointed a claw past Corvin. Corvin turned back to find the hammer lying amid the broken bones of the skeleton, the skull above looking on in wide-eyed disbelief. As he plucked the hammer from between the bones and tattered remains of rotting garments, a piece of mildewed cloth fell from the ribs, revealing the letters IPC embroidered in faded red thread. The International Power Company was the bankrupt mine with the deep bore problems. How could an IPC miner have ended up under the rock in his backyard? A shiver ran up his spine. It must have been terrible to die so close to freedom. How long has he been here? The lizard studied the skeleton as if seeing it for the first time. For as long as I have been guarding the door. The hammer pulsed in Corvin's hand as he slipped it back into the holster and fastened the snap. How long have you been guarding it? Many years, sir. I have lost count. It has been a long assignment and a tedious one. Assignment? I am a watcher. What are you watching? The lizard's eyes darted about. For those who may try to enter our world or leave it, I am to report anything I see back to him. Who's him? No more askings, snapped the lizard. Then it bowed to the ground. I am sorry, sir, but my service is a painful memory for me, and I would prefer not to speak of it. Come, we must prepare to make our way through the labyrinth. The lizard turned quickly away and moved off down the rocky passageway. Corvin crawled over the rough floor after it, dragging the pack sack. Are all the caves this small? Most are larger, but sometimes the doors between them are quite small. The ground slanted steeply down, and Corvin took the sliding after the lizard. If his sense of direction was correct, they were descending below the western slope of the castle rock. The tunnel became less steep, and the passage opened up to where Corvin could stand upright. Now they must be under the field. With this much solid granite down here, no wonder their soil was so poor and rocky. The light from the lizard stick bobbed away in front of him. Loose stones rolled under Corvin's feet, and he stumbled, cracking his shoulder against the craggy wall. Hey, slow down. I can't see where I'm going. The light stopped and came back. Sorry, sir. After so many times running through here in the dark, I forget there are obstacles in the way. Please take my fire stick. I do not need it. Be careful not to touch the light. It will burn through anything, even rocks. He thrust the stick at Corvin and moved on. Corvin held the strange torch out in front of him. He hoped it would not drip and start his shoes on fire. The tunnel descended rapidly for a few hundred yards and then branched in two directions. A clear trail cut to the left, but a single set of shoe prints went right. He peered down the right-hand tunnel. It is no use to follow the cave now, the lizard said from the darkness behind him. The first shifting of the labyrinth openings has already occurred, and she is in the next cavern. We have some time before we can follow her. Come, I will show you a place where you can rest. Corvin followed the lizard down a short corridor and into a small room. You can cover the fire stick, sir. There is enough light here when your eyes adjust. Just put the cover back on top. Corvin examined the stick he held. A small black cap hung from a silver thong just below the glowing end. He held his hand over the fire. It was not as hot as he expected. Do not touch it, sir. If it gets on your skin, it will burn right through you. Corvin remembered having dripped burning plastic on his arm when he was melting one of his green army men. It had burned into his flesh before it solidified and cooled. This sounded infinitely more painful. 
He eased the black cap over the flame, and it went out. As his eyes adjusted, he noticed the cave was bathed in a pale blue glow from the ceiling. Not enough light for you, sir? Just a moment. The lizard ran onto a low shelf and pushed a claw toward the light, which became stronger and more pinkish as it spread across the room. They said Lumians would not grow so far from their source, but I kept tending them, and they survived. Corvin found the entire roof was carpeted with long, silky threads that hung in clusters around the knobby, bulbous glows that were the source of the mysterious light. Near his head hung the largest, about the size of a small pumpkin. He brushed the soft tentacles that hung around it, and the bulb dimmed to a deep blue. The chain spread out like ripples in a pool to the other bulbs scattered about the room. Corvin detected an electric smell as if lightning had struck close by. The lizard grinned. Touch it again. Corvin reached up, and the waves of light spread from bulb to bulb, becoming brighter until they were all the color and intensity of the brightest full moon. Be careful, sir. Mine are not as strong as those in the core. The lizard raised a claw, and the globes dimmed back to a pale blue. They can expend themselves and never recover. We are not permitted to let that happen. He pointed above Corvin's head. That is my best one. Not as splendid as those in the core, but a beautiful specimen nonetheless. Corvin inspected the large bulb and discovered that it hung lower than the rest because it was attached to a metal holder that arced out from the cavern wall. Its gnarled stem wrapped along the pipe and spread its roots out onto the rock. Corvin looked at the large globe. Are they plants? Oh, yes. Like your vegetables, but much better tasting. Here, try one of these, but do not bite the center. The lizard plucked a small globe the size of a cherry tomato from a patch that hung down the wall. Quick, eat the flesh while it is still blue. That is the nicest flavor, I think. Corvin nibbled on the strange fruit. It tasted like a peach, but also tangy. The texture was smooth, like a melon, but not quite as juicy. Warmth flowed down his throat and into his stomach. He popped the rest into his mouth. Careful, sir, the lizard approached him. Remember the center. It is not permitted for us to consume its life. Corvin worked his tongue around the hard pit of the fruit. There was a tiny buzz of electric current as his tongue touched the pointy end of the seed. He spat it into his hand. It was teardrop-shaped, with veins that pulsed as if a tiny heart were beating inside. The tingle in his tongue was spreading through his head. It was a pleasant sensation. Touch the pointed end to the ceiling, sir. Corvin reached up and felt a small tug as the seed reattached itself to the rock. A translucent skin formed, obscuring the patchwork of veins. It is forbidden to eat the center of the Lumians. The penalty is death, for they are our source of light and life. Do they only have one seed? I have been told there is a special mother plant that produces clusters of seeds, but I have never seen it. It belongs to the priests, but it must not produce many offspring, for the core is darker each time I return. A pale blue skin now covered the seed. It twitched and stretched as the fruit expanded. They grow quickly at first, but they won't glow until they are larger. If you pick them when they are brighter, they become too spicy for my taste. Would you like to try a brighter one? He raised a claw toward the globes. I feel full. Maybe later. The pleasant feeling from the seed had passed, leaving behind a heightened awareness of his body, as if the electricity was trapped inside him. Corvin looked to the wall behind the lizard, where a large, intricate sculpture created from bits of metal hung from the wall. Looking closer, he could see pieces he recognized. A circular saw blade, lids from tin cans, a tie rod from a truck, and a rusty, hand-cranked egg beater. Did you make that? A proud smile spread across the lizard's face. 
The hole in the portal door permitted me freedom that a watcher normally does not receive. I did not have to go back to the Corps for supplies and was able to learn much of you and your world. This is something I made to help me pass the time. I use the small fire sticks I grow in here to melt the pieces together. Do you like it? Corvin nodded. He didn't know much about art, but it certainly looked as good as anything he'd seen on his field trip to the art gallery in the city. Below the sculpture, a row of tall quartz crystals sprouted from the floor. I've never seen rock crystals that big. The lizard nodded. I have practiced much over the years. It is one of the things that kept me from losing myself. Would you like to hear them? Sure, Corvin said, not quite certain how you could listen to rocks. The lizard stepped into the center of the tall crystals. After a moment of intense concentration, he caressed the angular shapes with the tips of his claws. A faint sound like tiny glass wind chimes filled the room. It swelled and invaded the inner recesses of Corvin's head. Corvin closed his eyes as the tempo of the music increased. Warmth and peace surrounded him. In his mind, he could see a group of small creatures moving in a circle, bobbing rhythmically up and down. Abruptly, the music stopped. The lizard looked up with glistening eyes. I have not played that one since before I accepted the shackle. He scurried up to Corvin. It was about my kind in the days before we became watchers. Did you like it? It was very nice. Corvin's ear still rang with the tune and his head felt fuzzy. I think I'd better sit down. He dropped the pack from his shoulder and sat beside it. You should rest, sir. We have a short time until the first portal door opens into the labyrinth, and I need to pack. I'm not sure what to take with me. I have more things collected than I could ever carry. He moved to the cave wall and pulled back a coarse curtain to reveal a small room carved into the rock. Hanging on the back wall were row upon row of skinned and dried gopher carcasses. No wonder that their field was the only one around that was not full of gopher holes. Small sheaves of wheat were piled high in a roughly hewn stone bin. Shelves cut into the rock above it held a variety of glass jars full of dried fruits, nuts, and strange things Corvin didn't recognize. So that's where Mother's canning jars went. She always blames me for taking them outside and losing them. You did bring them outside, sir, so in a way she was correct. Why do you keep calling me sir? Out of respect. You are the new master, and I am pleased to be your servant. But you said you were glad to be free. You can't be free and also be a servant. The lizard stopped picking up items from his shelves and turned to look at Corvin. That is the best freedom of all to know that I can serve by my own choice and not from fear of pain. I was born to serve, but I can only truly enjoy it when I freely choose my master. Didn't you freely choose to accept the black band? The lizard's face wrinkled, and he caressed his neck. Yes, the master offered me much, but in the end I became his slave. It is true, I made the choice of my own will, but once the bond was on me, I was not free to leave. My choice placed me under his control. But that is not how Tsarek was created to serve. Is that your name, Tsarek? It is the name I was given at emergence, but I have not used it for many years. He forbade us to have personal recognition. We were referred to only by the location of the portal we guarded. What does your name mean? Tsarek looked down at the ground. It means pretty face, on account of these blue markings. He pointed to the side of his face and looked away. The three lines of deep blue scales that swept off Tsarek's face and onto his neck seemed to be more visible than before, as if the lizard were blushing. Corvin felt a bit sorry for him. You don't have to call me sir. You can call me Corvin if you want. 
The lizard vigorously shook his head. Oh, no, sir. If I were to use your title where others may hear, that would be the end of us both. Perhaps I may be permitted to use your personal name. But Corvin is the only name I have. I referred to the name your mother used, Kalian. My mother never called me that. She said it and sang it to you often in her song. Kalian means my only one. Was that the name Grandfather's letter referred to? He liked the sound of it. That will be fine. From now on, call me Kalian. The lizard's eyes shone with honor. He crossed to Corvin, placed a slender paw on his knee, and looked into his eyes. Tsarek promises to serve Kalian, and... and... Oh, sir, I am sorry. His paw fell from Corvin's knee, and he pulled back across the cavern floor, leaning heavily against the crystals. A discordant jangling filled the room. What's wrong, Tsarek? I cannot serve you. For you must kill me. You must take the right of family blood. I don't understand. The lizard pulled something from a niche in the wall. He turned slowly, placing a heavy object into Corvin's hands and backed away, bowing deeply. Corvin looked down. In his palm was an old pocket watch. Crudely scratched symbols covered its back. He turned it over. The front cover was carefully inscribed with the same insignia as the hammer. He flicked the catch and the watch popped open. The bezel was cracked, the hands frozen together at midnight. Noticing something written on the inside cover, he pulled it toward the largest globe and read, To Grandfather, on the birth of Corvin, September 21, 1937. His mother had told him about this watch. It had been a present from her to his grandfather. He wrapped his hand tightly around it, closing the cover with an audible click. Where did you get my grandfather's watch? Corvin looked down and found the lizard kneeling before him. The bones in the entry. I took it from the skeleton after. Oh, sir, my life is forfeit to you. You must take it, for I am the one who took the life of your past father.'